My guest is the founder of Breakthrough Play. He is a self-proclaimed creativity catalyst with nearly a decade of experience as a performer in improv theater. After experiencing burnout in his pursuit for success and happiness, he realized that what was missing was play. He now helps professionals reach their breakthrough moment while playing and having a great time. My guest is Gary Ware. I'm Aiden Nepom, and this is The Changed Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. I, I'm so excited to be on the Changed Podcast as uh, as your guest, and and excited to dive right in. Yeah, awesome. So, um, I am curious. There are some things there that I said that I have questions about. Um, talk about what it means to be a self proclaimed catalyst. What does that mean? Creativity catalyst. Um, my so. I feel like we are all creative, but then as we got older, we forgot what it meant to be creative. And I love going into situations and being that instigator and asking those provocative questions or or having people do just really cool activities where they like realize like, Oh my gosh, I am creative. And as a result, they, they, you know, engage in, creative pursuits you know it doesn't have to be improv theater but it could be you know what i'm gonna start collecting stamps whatever it is for them uh i feel like we all could be more creative yeah that makes sense to me um i'm a big fan of the idea of catalyzing creative creativity in other people's lives and the idea of doing that through play is particularly appealing to me as a joy driven person um I also want to know a little bit about um, this value that you place in play. And to be fair, this is kind of a loaded question on my part because I have watched your TED Talk, um, which is all about the value of play. But I thought I'd give you a moment here to talk a little bit about the value of play, what it means to go from childhood to adulthood, where it gets lost, where it gets found. Yeah, play is such a paradox where it's... you know, when you unpack and look at the science behind it, it is essential for community, for learning, for just our well-being. As yeah. kids, we get it. Like, kids play uh, from the age of zero to, like, nine. Everything is learning through play. And there's a point where play is seen as frivolous, is seen mm-hmm. as a nice-to-have. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like that's, like, we reach that point of adulthood where you're like, okay, you know, now it's time to get serious. Um, you know, we need to set the play aside. You can play when your work is done. But the fact of the matter is, especially in this day and age, the work is never done. Mm-hmm. And we either feel guilty about playing or we, you know, we play. And then because of the way that we see play, we're not really getting the full benefits. And that was you know, my experience, you know, growing up again, you know, when I was a kid, I was extremely playful and my dad saw that and was trying to just help me out. And he's like, Hey, Hey son, like, yeah, I totally get it. You know, there's a time and a place for things like video games and stuff like that, but you got to work hard and then you can play yeah. when the work is done. And so like, that was my, that was my <laughs> MO. That was my mantra. And then I became an adult and I was like, when do I get to play? 
And oh, I forgot. Oh, that makes me I feel a little play. bit sad because I think that that's really relatable for so many people that when the work is done, then you can play. And then the work is never done. It's never done. So it was one of those things that I don't know. Like I, I forgot. I lost count how many times I burnt out. Like it's one of those things like history is like, all right, you will learn this lesson. All right, here you go again. Here it is in a different flavor. Here it is in a different flavor. <laughs> uh, but I did start realizing that play is more than just goofing off. And once I really started to unpack what it is and I started studying anything I could around play, I found that there's different flavors of play. Yes, sort of mischievous play is a form of play. Sports is a form of play. Story, like storytelling is a form of play. There are so many different forms of play and they all come in to play (laughs) at different (laughs) aspects. Wink. (laughs) Wink. Uh, So here's the question that comes to mind just in relationship to this podcast, which is all about how people approach and experience change. What are your thoughts about the relationship between change and play? Change. It's interesting. So just thinking about change, most people have a problem with it. If you think about it, like they, they think Mm -hmm. like, "Uh Oh, change is coming. Like, you know, you get, cause you get set in your ways and it feels comfortable. It's, it's like a old worn jacket. You're like, Oh, things are good. And then what I have to do something different. And so it, it's scary. But the interesting thing is when you approach things from a playful mindset, change becomes mm-hmm. more exciting and more accessible. Because if you think about mm-hmm. any game that you played, whether it be a video game or a sports game or, or maybe a game of chess or make believe, if it was the same thing over and over again, that would be so boring. In the play world, yeah. you want change. You, like you invite change. Like that makes a game, you know, exciting. But yet in the quote unquote real world, change is like, is scary. Yeah. I, I had a conversation about this with my seven and a half year old yesterday. Um, two things are true. One is that she's right in that prime play mental space of childhood. Like she's right in the zone. She's uh, she play independently. She wants to play together. There's like everything is play all the time. She's getting she's developing a sense of sarcasm, which is wordplay. So she's just like right in it. It's very cool. Um, but she also like pointed this out to me uh, that like if we did the same thing all the time, it'd be really boring. She's she knows that I do this podcast. I try and play her little clips when I can. It's you know, she's not the target audience, so I keep it short. But um, the other thing that's definitely true, though, is she wants to play with me all the time. And I come from a background of play, but I'm experiencing this thing, this like. I don't know how to describe it, but it's a it's a definite resistance where I'm like, "Uh, okay, but I don't want to play dolls. Or, yeah, we can play, but I don't want to. And then we have this negotiation about what we're going to play. And I don't know where that's coming from. That didn't used to be the case. I mean, I was the pushover kid. The other kids bossed around. They were like, you be the janitor and I'll be the princess. And I'd be like, okay, I'm a janitor. Like I, But all of a sudden, I've got all this like, I don't want to play with dolls. Yeah. <laughs> so we played with hula hoops yesterday. We played, but it was like, there's a... so. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sharing that with you because I think you'll have. Yeah, no, I, it's interesting. Like as a dad to a three-year-old and as also 
a person who like studies play and as an improviser, like I'm happy to challenge wrestling with all of that stuff because you're right. Like one, like on two different levels, one, like, yes, my son wants to play all the time and he is, we're so thankful for this. He's just learning independent play and he's getting better at it. He is an only child right now and we're in a global pandemic and yep. we're stuck at home. So he does not have like any like interaction with, very many other people uh so we're happy that he can play starting to play by himself and but like there's the feeling of guilt of like he's like hey let's play and i'm like "Ah, daddy has to go work right now like and he's like what i don't know what that means like you're just in a room just sitting there like and you you can play that's a whole nother story but then you're right like he's like right now he's into um uh everything is fighting like and it's not violent. It's just like he's, oh, he's into yeah. like rough and tumble play. And like that is oh, yeah. a necessity, especially for young boys. Yeah. Amelia used to like smash her face into our face right? at that age to just like yeah. explore her own power, I yeah. assume. And so he's that way. And so everything is like, like he'll, he'll get like two figures and he's like, Dada, who's going to win? And then like, so now we're like wagering or something like what, what's going on? And then like, he does the little fight. He's like, he won, you lost. And then so like, that's the thing that he's playing all the time. But I think like he, he's into it. I'm like, can, can we play something else? And I was like, like, man, I'm denying my son. I'm not yes ending him at all. So like, but yeah, I, I don't know where that comes from, to be honest. I wish I did. So as someone who is play centered and you come from uh, this background of improvisation, I just am curious if you have thoughts about your own relationship with change and if that has changed over time. It is. So it, um, I feel like my background in improvisation has helped me process change because I feel like there's different types of change. There is, and I believe you had mentioned this too in your previous episode where you said, yeah, we get bored or something and then we want to switch it up every now and then. And that is like change that we can control. And so like we invite that and, and it's exciting, but then there's the change that comes unexpected something that like, mm-hmm. you know, you're forced to do something that's outside of your control, or maybe you were trying to do something and it didn't go as well as you like. And, you know, there's all these unknown circumstances. And that is where, you know, there's a lot of disappointment or maybe fear. There's all these emotions, complex emotions that come up. And I feel like studying improv and performing improv and doing improv, it didn't make it, it in some respects any easier it still hurts. It's uh-huh. like, there's still like all those emotions and stuff, but I, I, you know, cause it is a practice. I'd like, it, it gives me a framework to just unpack what just happened and allow me mm. to see things from a different perspective, which is helpful. What do you mean by unpack what's happened? Like, is there a process or can you tell me a little more yeah. about that? So I was, a you know, with all that's going on, with the global pandemic and, and things are changing. It seems like every, every day in the beginning, when all of my clients basically put on hold indefinitely or canceled projects and then theaters were closing. So the thing that I love to do more than anything in person was not a thing. Like there was this Mm -hmm. feeling of remorse. There was like um, just you know, a feeling of loss, um, confusion, frustration. And, you know, you have like your normal way of, of doing things. And I have this belief, like how you do anything, how you do everything. And it's neither good nor bad. It is what it is. And so I was going through the, like this, I don't know, like I was feeling 
a bit empty. I was feeling confused. I was feeling like not like, all right, what, you know, what is my value? Like, what, what am I here to do now? And then I just had a brief moment of just like, all right, going back to the book of improv, because some people say improv is a religion. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not going to disagree. Uh, I feel super uncomfortable with that though, because I like, I don't even go to synagogue. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so treating improv, like my religion, that just I know. feels really- Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I know. Right. Like they very like, you know what? So nonetheless, it was just war of like a wisdom, a guidance map, a compass. Um, but I was thinking, yes. I was saying, all right, what if this was a scene? How would I mm-hmm. respond in that regard? And, you know, the whole saying of you need to play the scene that you're in. And by just saying that out loud, it just gave me a little bit more clarity. Again, it didn't change what was going on in the world. But I feel like when you have your mindset on something and then you get this abrupt sort of jarring, like sort of um, thing that comes out of left field, it's hard to let go of that sometimes. And yeah, you need some language. You need just a practice to help you process that. And that was something that in that moment, it get, like I said, like it almost took me out of the situation and I allowed mm-hmm. myself to look at it from like another like angle. And I was like, Oh, all right. Well, if this was an improv scene and this is what happening, like I, I just have to let that go. And I just have to just sort of play with this. And, you know, what could that next step be? How can I discover Like, nice. and so that was just something, again, it just gave me a few tools at my disposal, which, you know, it, it helped me um, calm down a little bit and, and yeah, be a little bit yeah, more rational. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Um, well, I invited you onto the Changed podcast because um, you tell stories as part of the work that you yes. do. And so I thought perhaps you might have a story to share. And so I would like to invite you at this time, Gary, will you share a story with us about a pivotal moment in your own life, please? Yes. To set the stage, facilitating improv and doing all of these, um, you know, team building and um, uh, sort of stuff was always like, I guess you can call me selfish. I learned all of this in service of whatever team I was on. I never thought like in my wildest dreams that what I'm doing now is what I would be doing. Um, I you know, thought, well, my path is in marketing. Um, because that's what I was trained in. You know, that's what I went to school for. And I found myself on my career path of running a digital marketing agency. I was a co-founder, um, you know, had business partners and everything was going great. Um, you know, we're about three years into the business and all of this stuff that I was doing with play and team building, again, was all in service of of that team and, and growing that team. And yes, I did still perform and I facilitated stuff on the side, but that was just like a hobby. And Uh the business got a little bit rough, you know, as businesses do. And, you know, we lost some clients and it was a little bit shaky. And at that time I was now a father and uh, my son Garrett was almost one. And what ended up happening was I was 
uh, leading a retreat in Nicaragua where, you know, I was, uh, we brought some people out there and we did a service project. Um, you know, we worked with a charter school out there and we, we taught some improv games and, and we did some other stuff and it was like a play adventure retreat. And again, this was just like my little fun side project. And, and it was the last day there. And I was looking at the sunset. Um, you know, we were going to go home the next day and I was like, man, my life is good. I have a job that pays uh, pretty well. It supports me and my family and it allows me to do this. Like I like, ah, I like, and I felt like a sense of harmony so much so that I got it tattooed on my arm. I got harmony tattooed on my arm. (laughs) Um, And you might be thinking like, why harmony? Well, because on the other arm I had chaos tattooed and I feel like I needed balance. So I was in a very chaotic time um, when I was in college, I know, like looking back, that was not chaos, but nonetheless, I got chaos and I was like, yeah, I feel like it's, this is life. Like you have a period of chaos and then you have harmony. Like you can't have one without the other. And I was like, I felt very at peace. Well, that, uh, didn't last very long. Um, I got back from that trip and it was my Monday check-in with my co-founder and he basically broke up with me. He said, oh. yeah, uh, he said, I, you know, I think we should go our separate ways. Uh, and he had like my buyout check um, and he gave it to me. And I was like stunned again, came out of left field, had no idea that was coming. And well, I didn't even know that was a possibility uh, that that can happen that way. But, you know, um, he had the majority share in the company. It's all good. Well, you know, it is what it is. Um, well, Things got worse two hours after that conversation. So I told my wife, I said, yeah, so um, Anthony um, essentially kicked me out of the company. I have, you know, my little buyout check. It's not that much. We, we weren't a super successful company and that was never the goal. The goal was to create a lifestyle business that allowed us to live, you know, uh, our lives. Uh, well, anyways, two mm-hmm. hours after that uh, meeting, we get a call from my landlord. Uh, we had been renting a house and he basically said, sorry, uh, I have to sell the house uh, that you've been renting for the last three oh, years. Wow. Uh, you have about a month. Oof. Yeah. Oh my And gosh. my son was, uh, it was nine days before his first birthday. And my wife is not working. Um, and I just lost my job. And we're about to not have a place to live. And so I'm at a loss of like, what do I do? Um, I thought like, well, I guess I just get another job. Um, Because it it was interesting because taking that leap and jumping into business uh, with my business partner, I was really scared at that moment. And um, this mentor of mine, his name is Peter Shankman. I saw him on stage and it was almost like he was talking deep into me. If you've ever had one of those things where you saw a TED talk on video or something in person and you're like, man, they're talking to my soul. Like he was telling this story about him taking a leap. And he said, well, what's the worst that can happen if it doesn't work out? I just get another job. And I'm here like three days later or three years later. Like, well, I guess I get another job. And my wife, thank God she was the, like, it was interesting. Like she was the calm one in the situation Uh, is normally the other way around. I'm normally like the rock. And so, you know, Yin and Yang. She said, well, what about the stuff that you've been doing with improv and play? Um, 
what about that? Like, you get a lot of joy from it. Do you think you can just, you know, go all in on that? You know, make that, you know, sort of become like your full-time gig. And I was really scared because this is a new avenue for me. Like, I don't have a background in organizational design um, or HR or anything like that. Yes, I have been teaching. At that point, I've been teaching improv for, you know, for um, a good while. Um, and I've done a few team building events, but it wasn't anything like I didn't have any steady income with that. Uh, and I gave it some thought. Um, and fortunate for us, my parents uh, let us move back in with them to give us uh, some breathing room so that, you know, uh, we can figure things out because it, I don't think it would like be very helpful for us to get an apartment or something like that. And they're like, Oh, so you have a job. Actually, I, I'm sort of in between jobs, but you can trust me. Here's some money. Like, like, I don't <laughs> think like that, that goes very well. Um, and so fortunate, you know, that I had uh, my parents, you know, and of course it was very self-serving for them because they just want to see their grandson uh, a lot more. So, you know, it was a win-win. And what ended up happening was, I was forced into this, this new situation. And I said, you know what? All right, this is what I'm going to do. I, I'm, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this into a company. And it would be nice to say that, oh, yeah, then the bird came out and everything, you know, was perfect. And then, you know, happily ever after. No, it was very challenging um, in that, um, you know, I reached out to a number of people in my network and I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. They were very supportive um, and I got, you know, some gigs and then, and this is the interesting thing, looking back when you're put into a changed situation, like, I don't, I don't know what happens. Like you're just, I think I was in survival mode. And so I um, did anything and everything. So I was like, you know what, let me just do this for free. Like I, I went and I called a minute, uh, I called it a complimentary recess. And I did a mini session, like a lunch and learn, um, you know, 45 minutes um and i i'm i live in san diego so i just went to as many companies and i as i could i said look um my gift to you um if you like it and you see an opportunity for us to work together that would be awesome or if you know someone who can utilize it if you can give me a recommendation or referral that would be awesome if not you know it's all good um and that was the catalyst of um, me starting to do it full time because the work that we do in improv, especially if you're bringing it to other contexts, like, you know, companies and, and aligning it with sort of soft skills and stuff like that. Sometimes it's hard to explain and it's better experienced. Yeah. And so that was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. For that sure. was the change that put me on this path where we're having a conversation today. Wow. Thank you. Um, I, so I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that that day had to be just so intense to first lose your business and then lose your house in one day. And and the thing is, is like hearing that, I'm like, gosh, that's terrible and so unusual. But I bet it's not unusual. I feel like um, there's a reason we have the expression when it rains, it pours. How... How much time did you give yourself to grieve? Um, none. And so it came back to be like, it, it, so it, there was none. And, um, and so, cause I, it was almost like, that's why I said, like, when you get into that survival mode, like you just go all in and 
it wasn't until maybe six months later that I like, I had this, it was like a breakdown, like where I'm like, I like, cause I didn't grieve what, what was happening. And then I found myself trying, like, I, I was like, sort of like stuck in the business of like, all right, what's next. And then like, I, I like, I realized I said, wow, I didn't have any time to like reflect on what happened. And then in that moment, like, I just sort of yeah. like, just, uh, you know, you have one of these like sort of ugly cries and you're just like, oh my God, this is like, wh- what am I doing? Did I even do the right thing? Like, um, w- what just happened with that business? Like, was it me? Like, and it was all those things. <laughs> and so like, so um, then like I, you know, sort of let that go and I, I felt a lot better, but I didn't have any time to grieve uh, just because mm-hmm. it was like fight or flight. Like it was like all in, like we because my wife, like I said, my wife wasn't working. We had agreed that she was going to stay home with our son, Garrett. Um, and we had to move. So like, there was like no grieving time. And I, and I think if maybe if things were different, I don't, I don't know. Like would I have time to like sort of process all of that? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but it feels very familiar. Um, there have been, of course, moments, similar kinds of moments in my own life. And I suspect that many people as well have had these types of moments where they've had to reinvent themselves. And most people have multiple moments where they've got to reinvent themselves. But what differentiates this particular one is the reinvention was like thrust upon you. Or rather, now that I've said that out loud, I disagree with myself. What was given to you was a moment you chose to reinvent yourself instead of choosing to find a new way to do what you were already Mm -hmm. doing, which is a kind of invention, but reinvention, but it's also different. Yeah. It was almost like, cause you're, you're absolutely right in that. That was the the opportunity like, all right, cool. This is what I'm going into because I could have just said, Oh, I'm just going to go find another job. Um, You know, I had at that point been doing digital marketing or, you know, marketing for like 13, 14 years. And in San Diego, like I knew a number of people in that sort of realm, I'm pretty sure I could have found another job. Um, and it was almost like, I like to use the analogy of when you have a, a GPS and you make the wrong turn, the GPS doesn't just say, all right, we're done. It just says recalculating. And interesting thing, uh-huh. this is where it gets very sort of creepy, is that when I was younger, I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I wanted to be a music teacher specifically. And then I graduated high school and then started university and I was going to study music. And then someone said, well, you know, you're not going to be able to make any money doing that. And (laughs) cutting arts from school. So you might not even be a music teacher. And so in that moment, I like sort of pivoted. Well, I'm like, oh, well, all right. Well, and at the time, like I liked through web design again in saying this this is the first time i'm like i'm starting to see a correlation of how i act so there was so i was in a band and i was doing our websites like i was like you know in in this is like in paint in like sort of <laughs> geo cities if anyone like remembers stuff like that oh yeah oh wow geo cities now we're really taking it right back. and so i said i want to do that then so then i like transitioned and i said all right and i went to the art institute and but it was almost like I had originally set a GPS that, well, you want to be a teacher. And so GPS of my heart or whatever you want to call it, like said recalculating. 
And so I've just been on this journey because it's funny because when I tell people what I'm doing now and they see what I'm doing now, they're like, I think you were supposed to do this. <laughs> so it was almost like, like my inner self knew better and it just took that to happen. Mm-hmm. Like that big pivotal moment Yep, to happen for me to like realize like, oh yeah, this is what you're supposed to do, Gary. Nice. That's pretty great. I love this idea of the, the GPS of your heart. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of this idea that intuition has a lot to say on the choices that we make. And if we're listening, we can pick up these these opportunities that come our way. And um, I'm convinced that everybody has that, and but not everybody chooses to listen to it. So another person in your exact circumstance would probably hear something in their head about like, you could follow your passions, but it's not stable. I'm going to just go get another job and do what I was doing because it's too scary. Um, So I think it, you know, there's some bravery involved in making those shifts, but if you're following the GPS of your heart, maybe it feeds the path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like for a whole nother discussion on conditioning versus um, your innate superpowers, because you're right. There, there was a lot of people like when I, it was interesting when I told them what I was originally doing with the business going into, you know, business, starting my own agency. Uh, people were like, are you sure you want to do that? That's not stable. And then like two or three years in, like, like it was completely like compared to what I'm doing now, that was like super stable. <laughs> and then, Similar people, they, um, you know, when I said what I'm doing now, they're like, are you sure you want to do that? Uh, That's very scary, Um, you know, and because we've been conditioned, like, stability, like, that's, these are things that are important. This is not stable, like, you're a dad, like, is that responsible? Like, all these things. Um, And, but one of the things that I think about, like, my why, you know, we, we all hear, you know, that thing is that I would hate for my, like, say I didn't do this and say I just heard it, but chose to ignore it. And I went and got another job, but deep down inside, like I knew that that's what I needed to do. Um, And my son wanted to follow his dreams. And I said, follow your dreams. I feel like I would be lying. Yeah. It's like you want to lead by example for the people you care about. Sure. Yeah. And it wasn't, it it hasn't been easy. And, um, and it's one of those things where I feel like it is getting easier, but I, I feel more fulfilled. And I can only say that now on the other side of it, because I know there are many moments where I'm like, still second guessing myself. I'm like, is this it? Is this it? And I feel like it's the story of Hansel and Gretel. Mm -hmm. And you know how they got lost in the forest and they were trying to find their way back home and the way that they, set up so that they can find their way back home where the breadcrumbs. And I feel like every time I feel like I was at that moment where I'm like, maybe I should go get another job. Something would happen. Like either I would do like a session. It would be so transformational for them. And for me, I would say, Oh, there's that breadcrumb. You're still on the right path. It would be something like that. That would just be like, keep going, Gary. You're good. I love that. It's like, I feel like I want a bumper sticker that says, Look for the breadcrumbs. <laughs> Keep looking yes. for the breadcrumbs. You're doing okay or you're on the right path. Look for the yes. breadcrumbs. If you do make those stickers and 
end up putting them on your website for sale, just ping me. I'll, I'll buy one. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you some royalties. So thank you for the idea. I appreciate oh, that. Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> well, if you were going to give people um, a piece of wisdom to carry with them in how they think about these pivotal moments in their own lives, what would you say? I would say, um, just acknowledge all the feel like all the feelings are right and there are like there are no wrong sort of answers uh because at, at some point like i was feeling like everything from shame to embarrass to fear to delight to excitement like i was doing all of them and i think in some points uh that's why like i i feel like i had a breakdown like six months later like i didn't acknowledge what was happening in the moment mm. and and maybe that was just again that sort of like uh adrenaline like you got to do this but all like if you have a pivotal mo- moment um and they talk about this like in meditation like is that you know what happens happens and just acknowledge what you're feeling like it is it is what it is it's neither like i like to say come from a place of non-judgment awareness is neither good nor bad um it just is what it is and it's just information and hopefully that information can help guide you, continue to guide you. I love that. Yeah. I love that lots. Um, I also really loved um, your thoughts about play the scene you're in. I think that that's a really helpful frame, you know, from the book of improv as it were. Um, But it is, it's a really helpful frame to play the scene you're in. What can we take and play with? What can we do something with? When I think about, um, what improv has to say around flexibility, uh, what improv has to offer around realizing that you're never alone in a scene, um, what improv has to say about a lot of things is totally helpful when it comes to business. And the story that you're sharing with us here is a story of pivoting your business. Correct. And you're right, like of being open to possibilities because I feel like in moments of change, especially change that is not planned, (laughs) sometimes we can get tunnel vision and that tunnel vision isn't always helpful. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I have this belief that people will make the right decision given that they have the right options. Hmm. And if you don't know what to do, you need to give yourself more options. And I love that and, so much. I'm going to repeat it. Yeah, if you don't what, know what to do, give yourself more options. Yeah. And a lot of times you will end up going back that, you know, sometimes that highlights what you, what you were going to do, but in the absence of options, sometimes that only thing, like it doesn't necessarily look that appealing, mm-hmm. you know, cause the one thing, you know, and I sort of mentioned it, but to unpack it a little bit more, in that situation, it wasn't whether or not I should do, you know, this business called Breakthrough Play. I was like, well, I could get another job. I could do this thing called Breakthrough Play. Um, I can go on unemployment. Like there were all the, yeah. I can go uh, beg my business partner to take me back, which was not going to happen. <laughs> um, and in light of having all those options, I was like, yeah, all right, Breakthrough Play. All right, here we go. Nice. Well, speaking of Breakthrough Play, how do people find you, Gary? Um, well, you can go to my website, breakthroughplay.com. 
Uh, my name is Gary Ware. So I'm pretty sure if you look on their interwebs, um, you can find me. Uh, I play uh, on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn a lot. Uh, I've been trying to stay away from Twitter and Facebook. That seems just like in light a healthy, of everything. healthy choice. Yeah. So that's where you can find me. <laughs> Um, great. So uh, we will post links. Uh, when I say we, I mean me. This is a small one woman operation. <laughs> I will post links to your LinkedIn and your Twitter. If people are not your Twitter, your LinkedIn and your Instagram. If people want to connect with you yes. and um, they can go to your website. And also I'm going to share a link to your TED talk about the value of play, because I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Gary. This time went by very quickly, and I'm so grateful for you to spend time here sharing your story, um, a very relatable story. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And if we learn from stories, especially stories of people making pivotal moments. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you. All right. June 2009, I was between flights on my way to visit my family for some much-needed vacation when I got the call that the software company I was working for was gutting the creative department. And, unfortunately, my job was one of the ones getting chopped. As I looked out the window of the Phoenix airport at the airplane I was about to board and listened to my creative director lay out what my position being eliminated entailed, all I could think about was were all of the stories I'd heard that started with losing that job was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I wondered if this was going to be the start to my version of that kind of story. If I'm being honest, I also wondered and still think about this now, if it's so much that losing jobs really is the best thing ever, or if it's a convenient story people tell themselves to feel like the hero of their own world. Most of us have stories of unexpected job loss or of a moment where a routine we've taken for granted suddenly upends. Some of you may be in the thick of that right now. In my mind, the simplest truth about these moments is that whether we choose to waste time wishing it was different or simply play the scene we're in, as Gary put it, the change has been made and moving through the moment towards the next one is all we can really do. But as you do that, maybe ask yourself, if I'm supposed to be the hero in my own story, what should I go for next? And give yourself that opportunity to shoot for something you're really excited about. You can learn more about Gary Ware's play-centered approach to business by visiting BreakthroughPlay.com. If you want to connect with him on social media, look for him on LinkedIn or Instagram. You've been listening to The Changed Podcast. It would be fabulous if you would make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show. And, of course, if you like this episode, please send it to a friend. Show notes for this episode, as always, are available on our website, thechangedpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Aidan Nepom, and I wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about. Mm-hmm.